Welcome to the Mindful You podcast. Today's guest is Sam Beard. Sam is a social entrepreneur, has been involved in public service his entire career. He worked with Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis and Robert Kennedy in the war on poverty, worked with eight presidents of the United States, and developed over 10 million jobs for the un underemployed. He recently founded the nonprofit organization called GIFT, G-I-F-T, which stands for the Global Investment Foundation for Tomorrow, which is designed to harness the full impact of mindfulness and meditation in order to solve the urgent challenges and problems that we as humans face today in this world of ups and downs and agitation and chaos. He is the founder of the Jefferson Awards, which is like the Nobel Prize for service. And I'm also want you to know that in the show notes, there is a three-minute video which goes over Sam's entire life of service and contribution. So please watch that beautiful video in the show notes. And it's with great enthusiasm and excitement to introduce you to Sam Beard. Sam, welcome to the Mindful You podcast. And I want to thank you very much for you taking the time to share with our audience your your journey and the parts of the journey which about 10 years ago you said really you went through a a stressful time situation in life that really ignited a flame in you that was a spark, but it was a flame of mindfulness. And so I'm excited to have you share a little bit about that that journey into mindfulness and how you've taken your resources available to you and how you're bringing mindfulness out into the world, especially with that with the gift program. That sounds like a very exciting thing, and I really would like our audience to hear it. So the first question would be, how did you get involved with mindfulness, Sam? I will answer that. But I just want to start off, Alan, by saying the privilege of being here with you with the many, many years, decades of commitment to uh, reducing stress and taking mindfulness around the world. You are a treasure of the globe. And I absolutely want to start by just saying that and underlining it. So it's an honor for me to be here. And thank you. Now it is true. The the my whole life has been um, service, and I'll explain it more later. But basically, I my whole life I followed uh, my intuition, or my DNA, or my whatever you want to call it. 
which was always service. From day one, uh, as a young kid, my, my whole DNA was serve others. And so I did that, following my intuition, and it led to many things. And then in 2014, I was now 75 years old. And it was a personal crisis of great tension, uh, lawsuits and mud stuff. I, I'm a creative, let's build something guy. And I had built up a nonprofit which had $30 million. And we had, as the introduction says, I had created and then run a program for eight presidents of the United States. And I'm just very simple. Uh, and then the, um, uh, the the person I put in charge of the, of the foundation to do economic development, because I was doing other stuff now, I went to a board meeting and the answer was I was fired. So at age 75, I didn't have a pension and I was unemployed. So I supposed to start my economics over at zero. And that was not a great day. No, not at all. So uh, tremendous tension and I don't like pills and stuff. And I went to the doctor and he gave me depression pills and I took two of them and threw them away. And I've been familiar with mindfulness and uh, uh, Brian Weiss, I don't know whether you ever heard of him, but he, he, he's, he, he uh, 20, 30 years ago, I sort of got in, into it and I knew it was powerful. And I, I tried to do it, let's say in my early 30s. And the, the funny part is the exercise to um, reduce stress and go to sleep as you lie down and close your eyes and visualize and boom, you go to sleep. The exercise to reach your higher peak is to close your eyes and visualize stuff and then get connected uh, to, to mindfulness and be really alert and at the highest level. And all I did was go to sleep. So so, so it, was, it wasn't quite what was supposed to happen. But at any rate, the, then with this crisis, I got back into it and I got the Brian Weiss tapes and I listened to them every night and with beautiful music and a different voice that I never went to sleep and I totally went inside myself and it, 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 it I, I could totally manage the, the, the pressure and the tension and the tremendous stress. And uh, that opened the field to me. And um, once I did that and I understood the power of going inside and the, the part of this, the thing I learned was return to your true nature of serenity return to your true nature of spiritual energy, return to your true nature of service to others. And that was what it was all about. And it was, it was like a whole new uh, awakening of joy. And then I am rambunctious. So I said, let's, uh, I live in Delaware. So let's make it a product of Delaware and let's take it all around the world. And in, in, in 19, uh, uh, in, in 2014, 2015, gift really started 20, uh, started in 2015. And then 2016, it was our very first beginning in Delaware. And this is interesting because I didn't know, for the most part, no one would talk about mindfulness and meditation in Delaware. It was like woo woo and watch out. And, uh, <laughs> uh and, so sure. that didn't deter me because I, I, I've always been a pioneer. So I, I, I researched, and I start meeting people, and then I would find out these extraordinary people. They said, I've been meditating for 30 years, but 30 years ago, I told somebody I was doing it, and they thought I was crazy. So I haven't told anybody since then. And 
So we had an original meeting. We had 25 people come in the morning and 25 people in the afternoon, 50 people. And out of that, we started. And it really was groundbreaking because uh, I was going to take it statewide in Delaware, and I found out really key leaders had been doing this for some number of years and wouldn't wouldn't tell anybody. So it was really the coming out party of meditation in, in Delaware. And we ended up training 25,000 people in schools, veterans, uh, uh, mental health. And, and, and then we also were taking it around the world. So that, that's how it all got started. Whew. Imagine that that seed uh, that that was planted and how it grew and how it flourished and how we are, are experiencing the fruits of, of, of your vision and and the network that you have in order to manifest that vision out into the world. Oh, I, that's wonderful. The 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 gift I just want to make sure that my audience knows is Global Investment Foundation for Tomorrow is the is the is the name of of the organization. Yeah, if they, and if they want to go to the website, it's www.gift-connect.org. And and Gift is the global invest the the the, the IRS uh, 990 is is uh, uh, the Global Investment Foundation for Tomorrow. That that's the official name, and the website is www.gift-connect.org. Perfect. Thank you. No, thank you. One of the in our previous conversation, you had introduced me to a doctor uh, named Jim Walsh. Uh, uh, different doctor. This was Lisa oh, uh, Lisa Miller. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, she wrote the book, The Awakening Brain. Yes. And uh, so I I read the book uh, and it's rich with valuable mindfulness information. And what she was talking about, and you mentioned it also, is that mindfulness, spirituality is a resource. Yes. That can be tapped into and brought out into the world in order to reduce the, I'll call it the psychological suffering that, that people have. And so I, so one of the, the areas of your interest is the zero through three right. age range and how, how we can bring the resource of mindfulness into the zero to three-year-old and why that is important. So I'd like to ask you to sort of uh, um, expand more on, on that Zero through three, and the importance of mindfulness in your in your view. All right, I will, and thank you very much. So these are wonderful questions, and thank you for having looked all that stuff up. But let me just start a little bit with mindfulness, because when we were taking it around the world, thousands of people would say to me, "I've heard about it, but I don't have the time." I've heard about it, but I don't have the time. It's not really for me, and they were all very stressed. So, so I would address that issue, which is don't worry about mindfulness and meditation. Don't think of a of a cushion you have to sit on. You have to do your legs and all that sort of stuff and, and, and sit in a yoga position. Don't worry about any of that. The point is mindfulness and meditation is stress reduction, of which you have plenty. So I don't care how you do it. The answer is you don't have the time not to do it. So 15 to 20 minutes a day, you don't have the time not to do it. It's completely life-changing. So do whatever you want to do. Take your dog and go for a walk in nature. Yeah. And just enjoy the flowers. Enjoy your dog. Uh, 
look at a bird fly by. Uh, here comes a butterfly, and how joyous is that? And look at the colors of the butterfly. And you pick up a stone, and there's a little orange salamander under there, and he's, he scoots off to, to for, for protection. And you just, the beauty of nature and just the relaxation of walking, you can do that. The In the middle of winter, you say, oh, my gosh, it snowed 12 inches. If you go out and shovel that snow you are getting centered. You're getting into, it's, it's a form of meditation because you're just, you're stopping your energy. And so anything you do, uh, play with your children. Here's your little grandchildren, your children, roll around on the floor and play with them. That, that is meditation. It's, it's, it's mindfulness and it's centering you. So if you visualize tension, you're out of the body and you're all hyper, 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 hyper. And that's bad for you. Stress that all the. Let me try this. All the doctors and scientists know that stress is the cause of every major disease. Stress is the cause of cancer. Stress is the cause of diabetes. Stress is the cause of, 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 of mental health disasters. So. Heart, heart heart attacks and understand that so to say i sorry i don't have the time is not the right answer and i, I just having talked to thousands of people uh, all around the world i think it's worth just saying that people say what is mindfulness and what should i do and oh, i don't have time for it the answer is uh it's just a way of relaxing and then easy breath if you I appreciate this podcast. And just beforehand, I was very, very busy, very, very busy. And I just went into another room, sat on a chair and breathed in. Breathe in joy, bring in positive thinking, breathe out tension, breathe in joy and positive things. I'm looking forward to Alan and then breathe out tension. Do that for a minute or two minutes, just in and out, in and out. And it, 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 it's anybody can do that at any time. And then I tell, tell people if they're if they're going to go make a speech, if they have a presentation to make, uh, go into the men's room or go into the ladies' room and just sit down and just breathe. Go just for a few minutes. It completely changes your whole makeup and and tones you down and gets you back centered. And so I say, return to your true nature of serenity. That's what you're doing with your breath. The essence of it is your breath. So I just, I just want to say that, which is not answer to your question, but I wanted to underline what, what you've done all your life, Alan, is so important. And anybody listening to this, uh, it's vital to get, get this different perspective about it, what I want to do. Now let's talk to Lisa about Lisa Miller. Now, Lisa Miller, she is one of the top professors and scientists in the psychology department at Columbia University Teachers College. And this, her book is The Spiritual Child. Now that opens up a whole new world, The Spiritual Child. And her point is that every baby is born with a spiritual gene. Now, what does that mean? What that means is if you get into a mindfulness state, the other part of true nature is spiritual energy. Now, that allows me to open up what I was saying before, which is my whole life I followed my intuition. And I didn't know what I was doing. That's just what I was doing. 
Now, once you get into mindfulness of meditation, it does open up your whole spiritual side. And what I realized was that my intuition, and also when you get into the field of mindfulness and meditation, the word intuition comes out, everybody. Serendipity comes out as a word all the time. Intuition all the time. And what that means, each of us with our intuition is connected vibrationally to a higher power. And for whatever religion you're talking about, that is God. And if you're spiritual, that is the magic of a higher power, which governs all the universes and the galaxies, and is a power well past our understanding. And it's a wonderful thing to understand how powerful we are. So Lisa Miller, uh, the spiritual child, the point is every it's it's as as a psychologist and scientist, she's proven that everybody has a gene. That capacity is in everyone. And that opens up a whole new world of empowerment. Like, how great am I? I'm connected to a higher power. I'm connected to spiritual energy. And then let's tie that into NASA. With the space program, it's completely changed the understanding of how the universe works. Because the point there is all of energy is vibrations. And we're just part of the universe and the galaxies. And everything is vibrations. And so our intuition is a vibration. And I, I then, I apologize because I take a simple question. I have long answers. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Sam. You're you're a fountain of wisdom. So you go right ahead and, and sing but, the song. I walk down the street and people I've never met. And I ask them three questions. I say, excuse me, do you have a few minutes? And, and I also compliment them. I say, you look very energetic and very professional. You look like you have a big heart. You look like you're an extraordinary mother. You look like you're an extraordinary father. You look like you're an amazing family person. So just to start off, because they've never, never met me, and, and, and looking at them, I can always find something to compliment them about. And then I say, do you have a little time to ask, for me to ask you three questions? They never say no. And because I don't, I, I'm not frightening looking, and the whole approach is not frightening. So right. I then say, when you think of somebody, do they ever call you? Or when you think of somebody, do they round the bend and there they are? And I would say eight out of 10 say yes. That's a high percentage. And then I say, now, do you think that shows potentially that? human beings have more than five senses. Is there some uh, vibrational connection between human beings more than sight and hearing and taste? It's a vibrational connection. And for the most part, people have not thought about that. And then an example, I, I went into, a, my wife and I go down to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware uh, for take two or three days off. And we we stayed at this hotel. We had a parrot. So we go back to the hotel, and there's the parrot. I go to the lady behind the desk, and I ask her these three questions. And I say, do you have a few minutes? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, the do you ever think of anybody that call you? And she said, well, I'll tell you what happens with me. I'm very close with my sisters and with my family. And my sister lives um, uh, three miles away. And just last week, I was here, 
and I had a whole visual picture of my sister carrying her new baby, and she fell downstairs. Mm. I got a movie in my head. I ran. Oh, I called the ambulance. I ran over, and we brought her to the hospital. That's that's a that's a pretty dramatic example you of my interconnection of people. And the next question is, when you are your most creative, does time fly by? Clocks disappear and time flies by and ideas pour into your head. Definitely 80 to 70 to 80% say yes to that. And then it happens to almost everyone. When you are your most creative, you get into a zone. Uh, professionals use the word flow. In psychology, the word flow comes in. And ideas pour down to you and it's your most creative. Almost everybody says yes. Then the next question is, do you ever think that those ideas are vibrations from the universe and they're channeling into you and you're absorbing information from outside? Now, very few people say yes to that. But a lot of important people do say yes to that. Paul McCartney has always said that when he gets into this flow zone, all the lyrics and music that he wrote was channeled to him, and he was basically a secretary writing it down. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. And even if he said it, no one believes it. Um, the the uh, 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 Harold Robbins is a major author. Sure. And my friend father was a big doctor and Harold Robbins was the patient of the of that doctor and my friend was going into movies and he said could I have lunch with Harold Robbins now, Harold Robbins if you go online Harold Robbins is one of the top 10 people in the whole history of the world he sold more books in the top 10 in the history of books Harold Robbins yep so my friend had lunch with him and said Mr. Robbins Every year you turn out an amazing book, different cultures, different language, different dresses, different everything. And just amazing characters. How do you do it? And Harold Robbins said, it's very easy. This goes back to the early 1980s. He said, go back to my typewriter. That, that's, that's a dated, that's a dated right. statement. I go to my typewriter and I write one sentence and all the rest is channeled to me. So I'm a secretary writing this down. So I just, most artists, most athletes, now in sports, every major sport, if you're not connected to the universe, you're not going to win the championship. And every team is practicing mindfulness and meditation. And so I just throw that out because it's, it's, it's connected to what Lisa Miller is talking about, which is connected to the universe. So on the one hand, mindfulness and meditation, you go inside and you return to serenity, you return to calm. And when you do that, you're now connected to uh, vibrations at a higher level. And that gets you into flow and connectivity and creativity. That's pretty interesting. Ooh, you bet. And, and then I'll tell you, uh, Stephen Kotler is one of the major experts, and he's a genius. And he has a whole operation to try to prove that being in flow uh, working with all the top um, neuroscientists, the top neuroscientists of the world, 
put it into numbers. If I'm using five senses, uh, Al, if you make a speech or if I make a speech, I know if I talk too fast, which I probably am now, or bring in too much information, which I probably am now, the, the audience can't follow you because they're listening in five senses. And when you're using your five senses, it's mostly the front part of your brain. And you can process, process information at 40 to 50 bits of information a second. 40 to 50. And so if you do too fast, you're going to lose your audience. Yep. Now, if you're in the more middle part of your brain, you're in flow and you're connected to the universe. And here's what the, neurolog the neurological scientists know. When you're in flow, connected to the universe, you are processing information at the low end, 9 million bits of information a second, and on the high end, 40 million bits of information a second. And so when Lisa Miller, the top scientist at Columbia, says uh, each child is born with a spiritual gene connected to the vibrations of the universe, which NASA proves is all there, um, you can go from 40 to 40 million. And it's brain science. Everybody has that capacity. So that's pretty interesting. And then Lisa's point is, with your children, if you understand they have that capacity, there are different things you can do to, to encourage it and to, to talk to them about their creativity, talk to them about their intuition, talk to them about following their instincts. And then the, 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 the third question is, once you go from... Uh, more than five senses, and then creativity. Now, the next question is, are you spiritual or religious? And now, many, many people say they're religious, and many people say they're spiritual. And then I say, with that, do you have a sense that there is a higher power? And again, 70 to 80 people say, yes, they believe there is a higher power. And then I say, so do you get guidance from that higher power? If you're spiritual, you get guidance from that or if you're religious, you're getting guidance through prayer with with, with, with God. And then they most of, at least half say yes. And that that goes back to what I'm saying about all my life, I followed my intuition. I had no idea what that was. You bet. Basically, my DNA or my karma in, in, in mindfulness language uh, was a higher power, and I was following it. And then serendipity with the um, the way you introduced me about the eight presidents, this and that, sounds like a lot of stuff. And I have done a lot of stuff, but I'm very simple. And I view that with huge humility because it was just a privilege that with what I call joyous persistence, I like people. And if you do that and you trust them and you have ideas, you can do a lot of things. And it really is... Of following a higher power, which is the leverage of, of, of what happened. And again, everybody has that. So now the last part of your thing was gift now is all about uh, early childhood, the brain science of early childhood. And in 2017, I was out in um, uh, San Francisco. And someone said, go see George Halverson. And I'm, I'm curious. One thing I would tell anybody listening to this, 
follow your curiosity. If anybody suggests something, try it. If it's too dangerous, don't do it. I'm a scaredy cat. If someone said jump out of an airplane, I, with, I, I don't have enough guts for that. I, I wouldn't do that. Uh, and if I'm off on top of a mountain looking down, I get scared. You bet. And, and the things, if someone says, why don't you drive 100 miles an hour and go around a fast curve? I, I'm not into that. Uh, and uh, uh, so at any rate, but, but threatening my life is not my strength. But curiosity opens up so many wonderful things and people shy away from it. But get over that. You know, right around the corner is something amazing. Always be open to going around the next corner. And so suppose I say George Halverson, I go over there, and what do I find? George Halverson is one of the top scientists and mental health professionals in the world. And in the United States, there's a health organization called Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the largest uh, it's it's not profit, but it's one of the largest organizations with three to four hundred thousand employees all about healthcare. And here's what the top scientist told me. The baby is born. Every baby is born. And the brain, billions of synapses are connecting, a million a second. And by your third birthday, by third, what, one, two, three, third birthday, the, the neurological passages of your brain are largely being set which defined 70 80% your capacity to succeed in school. So the baby needs to be spoken to, sung to, or read to some number of millions of words by the third birthday. Now, people hear that, and they don't want to hear it. They hear that it's too much. Right. But fundamentally, the reality is that the first three years of your life uh the neurological passages are set. And then 70-80%, that defines your ability in school. So now in, in the United States, if you take the idea of zero to three and you go to underserved communities, whether it be black or Hispanic or white, uh, low-income poverty schools, underserved communities, when the children from underserved communities come to kindergarten, which is about age six, 70 to 80% of those children are not education ready and they're not reading ready. And then they say, well, look, kindergarten is the first year of school. Now, the whole actual point is the first year of school is when you're born. And actually, this starts at conception. Let's make it a little more confusing. As soon as the woman is pregnant, you should she should talk to her baby. The father should talk to the baby. The relatives should talk to the baby. I love you. And talk to them all the time. And sing to them and read to them right in the womb. You bet. And if there are vibrations, when that baby is born, the baby is already ahead of anyone not talked to from conception to birth. Now the baby's born. Speak to, think to, read to. Millions of words by the third birthday. Now, and the word neurological passages are too complicated. So I look at it this way. They, Alan, you and I build something. And we have a, we, we just built a new 
uh, mindful, mindful you center in Nepal or something like that. And we want to put, we pour cement at the front door just to, and then we're going to put our initials in it to commemorate the amazing thing that we did. And I say, look, I'm a little older than you, Alan. I'm tired. Let's go have a drink, and I need I can sleep. Tomorrow morning, we're going to come back, and we'll put our initials in the cement. Now, what happens with that, Alan? You pour the cement the afternoon, and you come back the next morning. How good are you at putting initials into the cement? Cement's hard. You can't do it. Can't do it. So that fundamentally, for the most part, is the brain. Your neurological passages are set in the first three years, and then the brain goes and does something else. So I don't want to say it's impossible to catch up, but it's that harder to catch up. And that's yeah. the point. And so once I heard that, I cannot get it out of my mind. And that now is the one thing that we're doing at Gift Connect is talking about the power of um, the brain science of zero to three. And because it's completely uh, transformational. And now let's go back to the to underserved communities. If you don't start at conception, and if you don't start zero to three, which is when education really starts, education capacity starts. Now you say, okay, you're in kindergarten. And it starts, and by the third grade, you need to be really good at education ready and reading ready. In underserved communities, the children and start 70 to 80% in the United States, not there. Now they get to the third or fourth grade. And everybody says, third or fourth grade, if you're not a good reader and if you're not education ready by the third grade, now you're in real trouble because the first few years they set the foundation and then you're able to learn. But the answer is the 70 to 80% never changes. So in the third grade, obviously as you go along, your, your capacity is increasing. But in the third grade, 78%, 78% are not where they're supposed to be. Eighth grade, 70 to 80% are not where they're supposed to be. They graduate 70 to 80%, not where they're supposed to be. So in the United States, in our schools, one third of all the students are graduating with no skills capable of having a 21st century job. That's appalling. Yep, that's appalling. And the United States, by the way, among developing countries, the United States, out of 36 top developing countries, we are the 34th worst that early childhood development, zero to three. That's a disaster. Now let's look at it globally, because we're talking about it globally. I've never done a global project, but this is, my mindfulness is global, it's the first one, but now with this, it'll be global. And if you look at developing nations versus developed countries, they want to close the gap, and we all want to. But for the most part, developing countries, they spend less than 2% of their education budget, zero to three. And then I think they're going to catch up in school. But if you miss three, you can't catch up for the most part. Foreign aid to developing countries, less than 1% focuses on zero to three. So this is really significant around the world. And my team has said, Sam, you think of too many things and you get involved in too many things. And so to be really successful, we're going to focus on that one thing. So I apologize, but that's a long sort of answer to uh, what you said. So it did flow from... Uh, mindfulness 
to Lisa Miller with opening up your spiritual side to George Halverson, zero to three. Wow. Absolutely. I, I find that the uh, going back to m- mindfulness for me is like a pool of energy. Yep. And uh, the quicker you can access that, uh, the, the quicker you will develop the muscles that allow you to look at whatever issue that you're facing in the 21st century, which is a lot of issues, uh, environmental issues, mental health issues, drug issues, lots of issues which cause agitation. And if you can't have a calm view uh, to deal with the agitation, then you're agitated trying to deal with the agitation, which is not going to resolve the agitation, but if you have that mindfulness training at an early age that allows you to wait a minute, let me take a breath. Let, let me get this physical body relaxed before I stick my hands in the machinery and try to and try to pull the levers. Uh, and and I think that is absolutely the uh, 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 and, and you and you said it yourself. Uh, uh, the most significant challenge of your service of, of life is is happening now. Uh, because because you recognize that that unless we get mental stability, we're going to be unstable dealing with unstable things which is which is going to cause major more major issues. And so I'm a I'm a believer, Sam, in what you're saying. Well, look, I the you're more than a believer. You're one of the major world leaders who have pioneered this and been at it with such persistence and power for some number of decades. So the again, I start off by congratulating. I just want to congratulate you again and really underline the, the, the privilege of me to be here. Now then, once I, literally two weeks ago, a, a bell went off that all these three things were late. The, the mindfulness of meditation, and then here's Lisa Miller with the spiritual child. And then here's this new thing that we're doing, which is the brain science of birth to three. And so I called an expert, a fellow called Jim Walsh, and he is a he's trained in everything. And he's such a heart. His specialty is mindfulness and meditation and John Kabat-Zinn. But anytime you have a question, you call Jim Walsh, ask Jim, and you get an amazing answer. And he's the one that led us uh, through the whole thing with, with the mindfulness of meditation. So I called Jim, and he never lets me down. So he said, Sam, of course all the three are connected. And then he used a fancy word. What he said, it's all about default mode network. There's a technical thing, default mode network. And he explained it this way. The baby is born, and the baby is pure. And the baby has no idea the baby's born. Now, if bad things happen, the baby is looking for safety. So if bad stuff happens, the brain does stuff like, watch out for that. Don't do that again. And if something bad happens over here, watch that. And then uh, from a different angle, if if the baby is not loved and taken care of, if the baby is sort of abused, if it's not food, the, the, the first four years of your life, you start with a clean slate 
And many things happen which are upsetting to the conscious mind and programmed in the subconscious mind. And that leads to lack of self-esteem. I don't believe in myself. And all of that is in the first three to four years of life. So now, mindfulness and meditation is the first three or four years of life, and you're taught how to do that from the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, how to manage stress. The spiritual child, that's a gene. It's like your ability to see, your ability to hear, your ability to connect to the universe is a genetic, physical connection. And if you are encouraged that you have that power, you have the opportunity to go from 40 to 50 bits of information a second up to 9 million to 40 million. Everybody has that. And, and that's also happening the first few years. And then the brain science of the neurological passages, which re lead to literacy and ability to school, are the same thing. So the answer is all of that fits into the idea of default mode network. And that's pretty interesting. I never, I, and I don't, usually people operate, operate in silos. And I think for the most part, very few people have ever put that together in that same way. And that's creativity. And that's that's one of the benefits of mindfulness. Mindfulness to me has flexibility to it that allows you to comfortably move around the circle to see the different points of view that people are sharing versus my ego just wants one point of view. And it's my point of view. So I spend my life defending and attacking my people who are, who are opposed to my point of view versus flexibility, listening. Listening allows you to circle all over and have that flow that that you talked about. I, I love it. Well, Sam, we're, we are we are getting close to the end of our first podcast. I, I sense we have we have a a realm of information to bring forth. You're, you're like a fountain of knowledge, and and and, and I really appreciate you sharing uh, all the golden nuggets of of your journey and the things that you've discovered and the people that you've talked to. What a what a, what a gift you are. To 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 the world, but especially to the audience of of the Mindful You podcast. And and to conclude, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And we're going to have show notes that are going to have your biography. It's going to have your contact information, so that people can reach out to you and connect with you and find out all the things that you're doing in the world. And I just want to I just want to thank you. For, for what you do, uh, the, that curiosity has led you on a path that inspires millions and millions of people. So it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to have time to talk to you and have you share your wisdom. So thank you very, very much, Sam. And in conclusion, what would you like to say to the audience? The only thing I want to say to the audience is, Alan, thank you. <laughs> now, I, I guess what I want to say to the audience is, uh, I've talked about is the capacity of empowerment that each human being has. And if you think, if you think you can, you can't, if you think big, you can do it. If, if you get started, there's nothing you can't do and trust yourself. Your power is amazing. Trust yourself and it changes your life. You have amazing capacity coming from a divinity. And Alan, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast.
and please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.